Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. And we are so glad that you're joining us. This is episode number 89, so we're we're inching closer to 100. I don't know what happens at 100. We just start counting again. Then we add another one to 101, 102. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we'll just keep going, we're just forever counting. So uh, we are glad that you are joining us. This is, like I said, a deeper kind of discussion into the weekend message. Um, we are pretty excited about this discussion because Sunday was a full, uh, yeah, a full kind of. Uh, a full message, man. It was challenging. It was great. Um, we also, as we celebrated Independence Day, kind of talked a little bit about our history. But primarily, we were talking about we can either receive or reject the kingdom of God. So we're going to get into that discussion. We want to encourage you that if you are checking us out, it looks like we've got several people's uh, yeah, what? Thanks what for joining us. Say? Several peoples that are joining us online. Um, we're on four different platforms. People is plural. Yeah, peoples, people. Whatever. Um, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, we want to encourage you to go ahead and write that in the chat. We may not be super responsive. Usually, we're kind of answering a question. We're a couple minutes behind something. from where we yeah, see it. Yeah, and there is a delay. So yep. if you write something in the chat, I may need you to just kind of re-help us out because what you are hearing is probably what we said about two minutes ago. So we are glad that you're here. Um, we're going to jump into that. One of the things that we always do is try and give you a, a little quick kind of announcement. Some of the things that are happening in or around the life of the church. Um, one of the things that we are really, really looking um, to find volunteers for is something that is kind of, I, I think it was called the Cuddle Buddies. That's if, what, yeah. If I'm remembering well, that correctly. It's a strange term, but yeah. It's a strange term. What, what we need is kind of uh, people that are looking to um, hold our one and two year old children on a Sunday morning service. So our kids ministry does a great job every week kind of providing for our older kids. That age demographic between one and two years old has been a little bit challenging to find volunteers for. So we are looking for people that are would be interested in doing that. If you have any interest in that, please contact our kids director, Jeanette at Jeanette at clcfamily.church. That's two N's, two T's. J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Yes. And so please let her know. She would love to hear from you because that is something that we're looking to do. We're praying for four probably in the next week or so that yep. we can start to do that and maybe even more. We'll take more. If God wants to give us more. That's yeah, so ministry is happening here even on an yeah. Independence Day weekend. Historically, people go to the beach. Uh, there, there are a lot of you here. Thanks. And for those of you joining online, really, really glad that our middle school ministry is full, our kids' zone is full. And uh, so one of the big dilemmas that happened with COVID is a lot of volunteers uh, sheltered in place makes sense. We think it was appropriate and wise for many of you. But now we are wide back open. Masks are optional in any and every area, including kids' ministry. And so lots of little two-year-olds are showing up and really, really, really could use some more volunteers. And you are doing a great, great ministry uh, to the kingdom and to some parents who maybe for the first time all the light bulbs are going to cut on and yeah. they're going to hear about Jesus and his spirit and salvation. And you are removing obstacles, little kids crying in their ears, uh, removing obstacles so that they can see and hear about Jesus and take their next steps, maybe yeah. their very first steps with him. And so please, please, please consider that. That's once a month, if that's once every six weeks, if that's yeah. once a week, if that's once a, once a quarter, I would love, love, love for you to jump in. We're a family and family has chores. And so I would love for you to consider that being your weekly, monthly, you know, quarterly chore. Thanks yeah. for considering it. Also, what you may be noticing if you are watching this live right now is that we just dropped in a 
probably a minute before we started the stream, a page on our website. It's our, our resources page, which we are going to be referring back to in just a little bit as we start yeah. our discussion. So you'll see that in a second. Hey, so you're going to drop it in Facebook? It's in Facebook. Thank it's you. in Twitch. It's in um, YouTube. So really, any platform that you're watching this where there is a live chat feature, you should see that link there. Yeah, so that's a brand new page. Thanks to Christian. He literally is populating it as we speak. <laughs> it's brand new for us. Yeah. But I had referenced uh, some declarations that I've been working on. Uh, and reference some history, so there's some neat documents there. We'll talk more about it, but what I will tell you is, since we talked about history, um, I resourced uh, this week a, a resource called A History of the New London Presbyterian Church from 1726 to 1951. This was done by Dr. It wasn't a doctor yet, Dr. Earl J. Light. Cap Jr. He's now passed away, but you can Google his name, Earl J. Lightcap Jr., local Chester County in New London, New Londian, uh, who did a really good job in a master thesis of kind of chronicling, uh, you know, a significant amount of history. Now, one of the documents and resources he used was a document by Reverend Du Bois, maybe Du Bois originally, but Reverend Du Bois, he was our pastor during the Civil War and was a great, great writer who documented everything. And so he put together a discourse on the 150th anniversary of our church, which was in 1876. It's so nuts. 150 years our church existed in 1876. And on that resources page, you can click and you can read that discourse. It would have been what he would have shared on a Sunday, but you can read all about the history of our church that he wrote about there. It's a Google book. You have access okay. to it. There, how so. how thick is that book? Uh, you can read book? it in a day. I don't okay. know. I mean, not, I don't recall, but like, I don't, know. I, I, I don't even know if I can put words, a number okay. of words. Maybe 10,000. I don't know. Okay. Maybe f okay. No, no, maybe 5,000. I don't, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, check it out so you if can you're read. interested. Yeah. yeah. So um, with that then, let's kind of jump into yeah, yeah. the discussion. So where we were basically is we were week five of the Better series. Kind of yeah. throughout the series, we're talking about when it when you have... When life, life gives you choices, choose better, yeah. right? So do you want to give us a kind of a recap of what we talked about specifically this week? Yeah, so, you know, it's all cumulative so or comprehensive. It's really neat. We're just reading through the scriptures. And so I was just thinking about this. Uh, January, or February of 2020, we taught on the Holy Spirit. I hmm. uh, did a series on the Holy Spirit. And then in June of 2020, we did a part two of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then after that, we started the Gospel of Luke, which, by the way, a lot of people reference the Gospel of Luke as the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So Luke references the Spirit a lot more. And so we just really, for the last, uh, oh goodness, I guess year, year and a half, have been trying to figure out what is the Spirit doing at our church? Who is the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? And on that resources page, you can actually click a document that tells you a little bit more about the Holy Spirit that we've been working on. And not a finalized, but want to get the draft in front of you. Now, and so basically, here's the really neat thing. We're in a series called Better, which is just Luke chapter 11. Uh, we just are, you know, uh, continuing to work through the gospel of Luke, have been for the last year. You heard that on Sunday or whenever you listen to the sermon this week. And so um, what's really neat about this idea of when life hands you choices, choose better. The real reality is uh, you're not really doing all the choosing on your own. We actually believe that if you're capable of making yeah. this choice, if you decided to make this choice, even if you decide <coughs> to finally call uh, Jesus Lord, and he tells us in 1 Corinthians that if you're capable of that, it's a, a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy right. Spirit's at work in your life. And so um, what we talked about last week is you either get to accept or reject it, we finally explained that it really isn't it because it's not an impersonal power, but a powerful person. That's the Holy Spirit. You can accept 
him into your life, the greatest gift. Jesus says when he goes back to the Father, he's going to give us this great gift, and he's going to empower his church, breathe life into his church through the Holy Spirit. That's you and I being the church, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, making all things sad, untrue, mending a broken world, as it says in the Jesus Storybook Bible. And so, last week, the choice was, do you want to accept or reject or receive or reject the Holy Spirit? And so, kind of the part two of that is, what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit versus what happens when you reject the Holy Spirit? What we're really talking about is if we look at our world, uh, there are only two kingdoms, and it seems so reductionistic. And I struggle with reductionism personally because I just like to redu- reduce things. I was a math guy, so I like, you know, simplification. And yet, simplification really gets rid of all the nuance. So I understand why where this is dangerous, but there really are only two kingdoms, and they are at war with one another. The kingdom of Satan, that's the enemy, and you can go back and go find Luke chapter 8, where we you know, covered this in greater uh, thing, and I think that was in the Happy Strife, Happy Life, maybe, or I'm in, one of the two sermon series where we saw the enemy at work, and there is an enemy, his name is Satan, and he does hate you, but that shouldn't paralyze us, because there is a God who rules and reigns, who is much greater than the enemy, and so what we saw this week is you get to to either choose to live in the kingdom of God, participate in the kingdom of God, or if you choose not to, the only other option is the kingdom of Satan. Meaning you're either walking in step with the Spirit and Jesus himself, or you're walking in opposition to it. And as someone who loves you, loves me, loves Ben, loves our church family, loves our community, boy, do I want you to be able to walk and step with the Spirit and enjoy all the fruit that comes from that, from abiding in Christ, right? Because it says apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we... Uh, so the challenge was, uh, could you make the choice with the Holy Spirit empowering you to actually live in the kingdom of God? And so we looked at this really interesting story. That's kind yeah. of this really quick blip. There's a demon-possessed man. Yeah. Ah, bye-bye, demon. <laughs> now let's talk about the people who had some judgment based on it, which is really interesting because that's us. We get to kind of do this. But we started with a demon-possessed a man. So I explained to you that there's two different types of spirits described in the Bible. There's evil or unclean spirits and the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And so the same word, breath, breathing life, wind, power, right? In fact, the way that the Holy Spirit is described is either with the, the word wind or the word fire. And that's what's really neat. Wind and fire, that's either a really, really dangerous combination or a perfect combination depending on whether you're cold or whether uh, you are dry, right? And so lots to think about there. And so you get to live in the kingdom of God. We see this guy who encounters, has been infilled with this this demon. The kingdom of Satan has entered him, right? And uh, lots to think about there, and I have some real uh, uh, opinions about whether or not um, you and I can be possessed by a demon like this man was. Didn't get to touch it Sunday, but since we're here, might as well talk about it. Uh, if you have called Jesus as, uh, Jesus as Lord, that means, and so the word sin means to miss the mark, right? An arrow. But it actually means to forfeit your reward or your rights, right? Yeah. Miss the mark, therefore forfeit. Therefore, there's a forfeiture. So the way that I describe it all the time is it's like literally forfeiting your house and your deed. Yeah. right? You have forfeited it, and there's, therefore someone else comes and takes possession of it. That's what the enemy does. That's what demons do, right? Influence in that way. And yet, the other option is if you've called Jesus as Lord, you have said, you come. Come and make yourself at home. I am surrendering my rights, and therefore I have rights because I'm an heir to it. 
the kingdom of God, right? And so if you've called Jesus as Lord with the help of the Holy Spirit, only way that can happen, right? Then you have possession inside of you in your house, right? Uh, God himself through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is no way that a demon can take ownership of what God has already taken ownership of. Now, if you have it, yep, there's some ownership. Another word for that is possession of your residence. So non-Christians, yep, there can be possession of residence. Uh, Christians, I would argue, cannot... Uh, be possessed by demons because there's already an owner, but they definitely can still be influenced and challenged and tempted by those influences in this world. And what's so interesting is in so many ways, the enemy has spoke so many lies into you. Inside you, you're Mm -hmm. still speaking those lies. So we'll talk at some point about a declaration to get those lies out of you, but that's not a demon possessing you. That is a demon influencing you with what's happened in the evil of this world, right? So lots to consider there, but we see this mute man who all of a sudden can speak and people marvel, and then they have to make some uh, they have to draw some conclusions about how yeah. in the world did you, what kind of power did he leverage to do that? We know power yeah. of the Holy Spirit, yeah. but they weren't so confident in that. And so they're right in front of us. We come face to face with these two opposing worlds, kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan, right there in front of us. Yeah. So I, I feel like you already started to yep. a little bit, but I, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into this because as, as you said, verse 14, so we're in chapter 11. Verse 14, we're through 28 this week. And it literally, 14 says this. It says, now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And the demon wasn't even speaking. It's just like Luke tells it in such a way that it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a normal occurrence. But the reality is, is that many of us don't see or have interactions such as what they had in in Bible times. So oh, no, no, no. Let me say, we don't see. We don't see. We are definitely yes. experiencing the same kind yes. of evil, the same kind of torment, right? Every yeah. time a child is abused. Yeah. That's that's the enemy. Every time a man walks into any building with a gun and unleashes fire. Yeah. That's the enemy. Every time someone declares that they are supreme because of their skin color, that is the enemy, yeah. right? So we are facing it everywhere yeah, we go, right? And so every time... And all these things, there's an influence of the enemy. And boy, could I list them. But again, I, this isn't the draw the lines, choose your side in terms of let's point out the other side. It's let's give God yeah. every part of us so that we can take up our inheritance in the kingdom of God right here on earth. So I think yeah. my question in that is that it's going, okay, so if I'm if I'm a believer, I'm listening to this, and I'm not really sure, like, uh, I feel like as I work with teenagers, you probably experienced this too, there's a ton of questions around, like, sex, the end times, and demons, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of confusion. How far is too far? <laughs> you know, is there really an enemy? How do yeah. I know God's will? And yes. What happens at the end of all this? Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know if... By the way, I have a teenager now. Yeah, Just to do. point out, yesterday, my son Briggs turned 13, and he is the greatest... Well, the Holy Spirit's the greatest gift, but he is yeah. such a good... <laughs> Gift. We went to thrift stores all day and ate at a buffet because he is a Roberts, and that's, that's what Roberts is doing. When I found so. out what you were doing or what Briggs wanted to do, yeah. I said, "Man, that's probably a product of his dad." I right know there. he is an heir <laughs> to the kingdom of thrift stores with his dad. So, so as we look at this and as we as we start to talk about it, in fact, there was a question that LK, one of our um, long longtime listeners, asked. I think this is probably a good, by long time you mean spot. old. Uh, sorry, okay. I, did, I, I didn't wasn't mean thinking that. that. Okay. I just think you're very participatory. Thank you for your participation. Sorry that Ben implied something. I, I didn't imply. He knows okay. that. Anyway, uh, here's the question that was asked. It says, how do I know if I'm being corrected and disciplined by Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we talked about revelations. So in Revelation, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
or if I'm being tormented by a demon. In other words, what are the distinguishing aspects of Jesus's discipline towards those he loves? Yeah, really great question. So you referenced in Revelation 3, the church of Laodicea, which is lukewarm meaning. They're just not on fire. They're not walking in step with the Spirit. And Jesus kind of draws the line and says, you need a heart and a cold, therefore yeah. you're disgusting. Right? Yeah. Like, it's really, really offensive. But he says, those I love, I re- rebuke and, you know, and or, or, I discipline. And so you got to go, okay, that's a really good question. Because one of the things we're going to talk about today is the shame that's inside of us. So I actually think this is really simple. Now, I have colleagues that I've worked with throughout my life who would disagree with me here. Um, because they would say guilt is a good gift at times. I don't think so personally, So, but hear me all the way through. So I would differentiate, and this is just me, not a psychologist, not Brene Braille, not whoever who has some understanding of this. I would differentiate between shame and guilt, right? Uh, And well, shame and guilt, I'd put in one category. They would differentiate and what I'd call conviction. So let's put shame and guilt in one category and conviction in the other. So what we're really going is, when something happens to me, how do I know if it's shame or guilt yeah. or if it's conviction? Is this the enemy reminding me of something or yeah. this, it, this is God kind of disciplining me? And I have come to this conclusion. Now, again, this is just my own. You're not going to find this anywhere. Maybe, maybe someone that long history is. I'm not trying to like celebrate it as I'm smarter than everybody else. It's just this is my conclusion. Take for it what you want. And so here's the two things that I ask myself again. Biblical theology, systematic theology, but this is just my opinion. I feel like I just want to make sure you understand that. Um, the question is, when you have that experience, whenever you feel whatever this is, sorry about that, when you have this experience, whenever you you know, feel this and you go, is it correction or is it you know, oppression? Right? Mm-hmm. I would say, what's the whisper say? Hmm. Does it say, Josh? I mean, I'm just talking about first person. You're worth more than this hmm. or you're worth less? So is it worth less or worth more? Now, if the, if the enemy is speaking it, he is whispering to you that you are worth less. Right? If if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he is saying there is more for you to inherit in the kingdom. Yeah. Your value is far more valuable than that thing you're putting into your body, that thing you're saying, that thing you're doing. The same way that you would love your kid and go, I just want what's good for you and there's better for you than this. So to me, it's really simple. And again, I get, maybe I'm just so reductionistic. But if, if the lie in my if I'm hearing in my head that I am worthless and God is disappointed in me, he doesn't love me, whatever those things are, then I would say that's always the whisper of the enemy. Now, the way that the enemy works is he works in half-truths, right? Something that kind of works, something that stings, but not a full truth. And so, um, as you hear whatever that correction is, maybe it's a friend or a brother comes to you and goes, hey, like, we both listen. Okay, you actually sent me yeah. a link yeah. to the sermon from Louis Giglio called Don't Let the Enemy, Give a, the enemy a Seat at Your Table. Yeah. It's not in words, that's more, but yeah. but basically he had a friend who basically said, hey, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. Yeah. And it was a gentle, kind rebuke, but the kind of the conversation was, you are sitting at the table with Jesus. There is so much more for you than allowing that nonsense in, right, right. right? That is from the Spirit. So really simple, I think. As you hear this thing, is it telling you that you're worthless or you're worth more? If you're worth more, then that means God's got something for you around the bend and you should lean in fully. If it's telling you that you're worthless, you gotta replace those lies with the truth, yeah. which would lead me to, and let's just go and get into it. To hey, that, can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. So my question is, what? How much does um, confession play into that as well? So I, I guess my thought is that if I've confessed my sin, if I've made the right steps before God, and if I've wronged others and I've done that, and that continues to come up, is that 
conviction of the Holy Spirit, or is that? Oh yeah, here's here's a really good thought there. So let's go back to I want to say Psalm fifty one. It's mm-hmm. so David. Uh, he's always the one that we point to. He was a sinner, but he was a man after God's right. own heart. Oh, such a relief. It doesn't mean I should have affairs. Right. Doesn't mean I should right. kill that my love interest is husband, right? right of right. course not, right? But so David does those things and gets about his business. Jonathan yeah. tells him a story, right? Like, yeah. and helps or him Nathan come to this. Con- Nathan, sorry, yeah, 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 sorry, goodness gracious. Uh, Nathan tells him a story and he comes to this conclusion <laughs> that, oh my God, like he has this awareness. And then Psalm 51 is the, this, you know, create me clean hearts, yeah. God renew a steadfast spirit in me. So there is this real confession yeah. against you and you alone have I sinned. And then he says something. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So, what I would say is, if the confession leads to joy, Mm. then you got the work of the Holy Spirit in your life because you are now Mm. aware, right? The way that Tim Keller says it, you are far more sinful than you've ever concluded, but you're far more loved than you can ever imagine. Something like that. He says it, you know, much more eloquent than that. But it's that thought. So, does your confession lead to restoration and joy as a result of your coming to the conclusion that God loves you more than this, that he saw you as so valued. That's what salvation tells us, that we were so valuable. We were worth the death of the king of the universe, right? right? right. God's own son, the king's son. And so what what manifests out of you in that? If it's joy, we know this. We've already seen it in Galatians 5. That's the work of the spirit. So does this thing lead to joy in your salvation or does it lead to pain and sorrow? And at some point, you have to go, gave it to Jesus, yeah. it was nailed to a cross, I am now walking into the fullness of what he's called for right. me. Right. So, now if it's this thing that you continue to come back to the sin, yeah. that doesn't mean you're not a Christian, it right. just means that uh, there's this progressive sanctification happening in you, this holiness that God can, there is a foothold somewhere in this that you have found some kind of comfort, some kind of hab- habitual thing in whatever that thing is. And so we have to keep surrendering it. And you have to yeah. keep replacing that lie that that thing will fulfill us and replacing it with truth, which is what I think this yeah. Declarations page does. Hey, do you want to jump to that Declarations page? Let's just jump into now. it now because yeah. I think I mentioned it. Let's just do that. Yeah, I feel like that's I'm going to actually try to do so something. Cute. So let's see if I can make this happen. Um, let me go to a different one. There we go. So we got this right here. I'm gonna go. Um, and now what I'm gonna do real quick is I am going to pull up this page. So what I've told you guys to go to is clcfamily.church. Maybe we'll see. They'll let us do it. There it goes. So clcfamily.church. You ready for this? Uh, so you go to clcfamily.church. I'm just gonna bypass everything. Go straight to the resources page. You see that? So you click here. So this is the thing we keep references. I yeah. certainly hope it's coming up for you all as well. A little slow here, the internet. Oh, whoa! Don't need zoomed to do that. in too. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm not sure it happened, but anyway, it'll work. Uh, so you see this declarations page here. It pulls up this new website that I hopefully will be the right thing. And so I yeah. know uh, you'll see kind of what I references. This is not my writing. It's just stuff I found and collected. So one of the things that I've had to do in my life, and I've told you the Holy Spirit's been really at work in my life, is experience what it's like to actually uh, have the Holy Spirit indwell me and speak truth into me. And so um, one of the things to think about is... Uh, the, the idea that we can be tormented, that we can be influenced by the enemy, and boy, do I know that to be true, but what we sometimes think is that the enemy's actually inside of our head. Mm. But he can't possess us, so it probably isn't the enemy's inside of our head, but the lies that the enemy has spoken to us, 
whether from our parents on accident. I'm not saying our parents are evil. Jesus says they're evil, but uh, <laughs> I, like so, or from you know modern culture or movies or exes, what teachers, bosses, coaches, or whatever it is. There have just been some things that I have thought were to be true. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is we have to actually get those things out of our head. Now, we might actually be feeling the oppression of the enemy, or candidly, some of us might be feeling the possession of the enemy. So Neil Lozado, a guy who's done a lot of work on deliverance, um, basically made this statement that I thought was so profound. He says, the enemy can't read your mind, right? Like, it's not omnipotent and it's not omniscient. It doesn't have all the power and doesn't know all things. So at times, the way that you tell a demon to leave your house is you have to speak it out loud. They don't know that they're supposed to pack your ha- pack their bags and leave until you tell them with Jesus' authority that they need to. So uh, what I've been really working on is actually speaking speaking truth. Now, I've been telling you for months now that the way by which the kingdom happens is you first hear about it, right? So you hear about it through God's word, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ that tells us in Romans. So you hear about it, then you think about it. That's the process of metanoia. That's the renovation of your mind. That's what repentance starts with. You think about it, you change your thoughts, therefore you change your beliefs, and as you change your beliefs, you change your actions. So it does mean to turn, make a 180, but it's a lot more than just make a 180. It's as a result of the renovation of your mind. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transform Romans 12 to by the renewing of your mind and so how do you renew your mind so you hear about it you think about it and then you speak about it right Jesus tells us using Solomon in the Old Testament that the power of life and death is in the tongue literally we can speak these things so you can read more oh gosh uh, read more about that as you um, as you read this document but here's what I've actually started to remind myself of because I am worth more and you are worth more so what I have to tell myself all the time is these kind of statements that I am accepted, and I literally say out loud, I am God's child, that I that he actually loves me and he's my friend. I am Christ's friend. These are all biblical, right? That I am, I've been justified, meaning Jesus has paid the price of my sin so I can actually talk to my Heavenly Father. That I'm united with the Lord and one with and one spirit with him. First Corinthians, you can read that. I've been bought with a price. I am a member of Christ's body. You see all these, I'm not gonna read them all through, but there's so many different things to go. Here is these, declarations that we are speaking out loud. As we're telling the enemy, he has no right. No enemy, I am free forever from condemnation. Because what it tells me in Romans 8, 1, 2. So in the power and authority of my Savior Jesus, I tell you to pack your bags and leave. Like you leave my house, you leave my kids, you have no right to rule and reign or be around it because I am owned, I have given myself over to Christ as my Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit as my guide and teacher and comforter. So you have no right, right? So you can just literally, I'm saying them out loud and as I speak them out loud, literally, man, as I speak them out loud, it's actually becoming true in my life. And so even at the end of this, so you see all these things, there actually is these lies that we've been told, right? So I told you this is the influence of the enemy. And so whatever those are, you actually can see the lie, identify it, and then speak the truth. So let's say that you think that God is absent or too busy for you. You can actually say, you see this? Mm. I renounce the lie that my Father God is absent or too busy for me. And then you can say out loud, I accept the truth that my Father God is always with me and eager to be with me, right? And if you feel like God is so demanding and you can't ever please him, I renounce the lie that my Father God is stern and demanding. I accept the truth that my Father God is accepting and filled with joy and love. Right? So there's just something about this pattern that we have to actually say these things out loud. I want you to do that. I'm going to go back to the actual so you can see our faces again here, I think. 
maybe. I think you got it. Oh, I'm on it. We're on it. We're on yeah. it. Sorry. So um, there we go. So anyway, some things to think about. So that's kind of what I referenced in this thing of how do we actually deal with the enemy? Yeah. Well, we tell him to leave. Yeah. Because the way that Jesus actually describes the kingdom of Satan and Satan himself is he is the king of lies. Yeah. So what do we do with that? We replace lies with the truth, which I think we'll get more into as Jesus even explains that. It's like when an evil spirit goes out, well, yeah. something's got to replace that. And something else is to take ownership or you're going to continue to walk through the same pattern. Right, right, so what right. we're doing here is we are replacing lies <laughs> with truth. And hear me, I know it's weird. Like I am <laughs> like I am a Bible guy. I, I'm, not, I'm not really... I'm more and more in my life, more demonstrative in the way that I worship. But I, mm. like all my worship has always happened inside here and reading his Bible, right? Yeah. That's where I thought God does all of his work is through just his Bible. I almost has hold, held up the Bible as the third part of the triune God mm. instead of the author of the Bible, who's the Holy mm. Spirit, right? And so that's why I explain all the time, like when you have a dog and you keep pointing to go to the food, instead of going to the food, it goes to the finger. Like, no, yeah, it's right. over there, and it keeps right. coming to the finger. No, it's over there, right? In many ways, I think that's what I've done to the, the scriptures. They're yeah. pointing to Jesus and the truth and the Holy Spirit and the comfort. Yeah. And I have actually just gone straight to the finger pointing instead of going to the person yeah. that wrote the book, right? And yeah. so in many ways, that's what I love about this series and what the Gospel of Luke's doing. It's going, the kingdom of God is near and at hand, and you can experience it today through the greatest gift to ever be given, and that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so. I feel like there's so much yeah, yeah. that we Sorry, can probably yeah. whatever you want to do. I just kind of yeah. talk now, about. And I'm not sure like if there's anywhere. Uh, I'd love to hear in the chat if you guys have specific direction or an idea of what you're thinking. But I feel like as I think through that, one of the first things that I, for me personally yeah. is that I feel like I've seen lists like I'm loved, I'm cherished, yeah. I'm like in scriptural backing. Yeah. You could probably do a Google search and find a hundred different lists. Yeah, like there's that, plenty right? of declarations. Like, I didn't write this one. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so there's so, from other so many different declarations. And what's unique is that I've always read them and I've never spoken them out. And I've never done kind of the, I feel like even now, to be, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I've declared like, I haven't told the enemy to run or depart. But what I recognize is that when I speak out the truth of, recently I've been speaking this idea, this concept of going, it's from Habakkuk. I love the scripture verse in Habakkuk 3. I think it's 17 and 18 or it's 18 and 19. I think it's 17, 18. Um, where it's even if there's no you know sheep in the pens, there's no cows in the field. It, I'm completely destroying this verse. Um, yet I will praise you. And I've been kind of speaking through this idea, even through personal things, with my father's health's not doing so well, and I'm going. Even if my father passes, I will still praise you. Yeah. And I have found a peace and a, a I, I don't know. There, I've, it's hard to explain. I feel like. There's this, it's got to be a supernatural occurrence happening that as I speak that out, I find more comfort. And so I'm almost eager to speak out the the declarations of, of telling the enemy like, hey, sin has no place, mm. no power over me as a believer in Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. I'm eager to almost try that. I feel like that's probably even my challenge for you. Yeah, double dog area. Yeah, so it seems so strange and it's like... Yeah. I can't quite explain it, right? And this yeah. is such a terrible analogy, and y'all have heard it over and over again in so many different cases. But, like, Supreme Court kind of made a ruling on pornography, you know, decades ago. Yeah, and they right. go, it's hard to define it until you see it. And you go, yeah. that's what that is. And so in some ways, it's still hard to define all the stuff yeah. that the Holy Spirit is doing until you receive and experience it. And so I'm like, please, like, what? The Lord walked me through some 
terrible things, right? And he was with me by my side. And I think what he was doing is he was doing a work in me through the Spirit yeah. in some way so that you all could see it and mm-hmm. I could share it. I'm just going, ah, oh, I know this sounds crazy. And yet, I am a product of, yeah. of believing this. So when you see words like bind and loose, it all it's saying yeah. is you reject and you receive. <laughs> it's really, right, I'm like, right. I'm shutting the door for that. I'm inviting this guy in, right. you know? So you're rejecting and you're receiving over and over again. I reject that lie that I am not valuable or worth anything. I reject yeah. the lie that I'm worthless. That is not true. And instead I'm gonna receive that I'm a child of God. Yeah. Right, because Jesus, through his work on the cross, proves that and through his scripture, defines that. And so we get some really neat stuff here to really think about. And so I know it's complicated, but what if you just did this for a week? Yeah. Just a week, right? Actually, how about this? Just for 25, 48 hours, just for 48 hours. Just go and find the lies you're hearing in your head and speak the truth. Now, the problem is, is we are so terrible at being present yeah. and so reactive, right? So Victor Frankl talks about that, the stimulus and the response. There's yeah. a stimuli and then there's responses, right? And so he talks about the space between those that changes everything. And yeah. so the problem is it requires us to slow down and be aware and face these things in our mind, right? Yeah. We have to yeah. face the battle in our mind. So what's so interesting is that Paul actually tells us we should take every thought captive. Yeah. Bind it, right. right? And I just think that's not true. There's just no way. He just means one day. And I'm like, no. He actually means every thought captive. You can take it. You can say, that's a lie. It's going in the grave. Jesus, you're the one who's raised from the grave. So that's going in. You're coming out. And I'm going with you. Right? And so there are some things that we actually can do here. And this is where that spirit-filled side of our church is yeah. just continuing to happen. And yeah. I just want to invite you along for the ride of Jesus through his spirit doing this work. Not you. Not me. Not any of us, right? Just Jesus is doing that work, but we have to actually cling and declare. If you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth, speak it, that God is, Jesus is the Savior, that he was raised from the dead, that he died for my sins, and is making me whole. And God sees me as whole and blameless because of what Jesus did, and he has given me his spirit so I can experience it and be comforted by that and be guided and taught. Say it with your mouth. Let's experience what it is. Yeah. Uh, man, I feel like we could probably just park on this and continue to like fill yeah. this entire hour. Yeah. So by the way, there's another document on there and it's not, again, these are drafts. Again, I didn't write them all, just compiling. That really does even communicate a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, probably by the end of today, I'll even drop like a little um, devotional in, maybe a mm-hmm. couple of them that churches have produced so that you can spend some more time trying to unpack what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, uh, <laughs> I feel like at this point I'm going, let's, let's, let's go, go, back to the scriptures go through the text. Yeah. And so, um, kind of returning again to 11, uh, ch- Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 28 is what we read through. And again, if you are just now tuning in and you haven't heard the first part of this, what we always encourage you to do is to listen or to watch that Sunday morning message. That is always kind of part one. And then the, the hope is that this is part two. Hopefully yeah. this is encouraging. Um, and challenging that it's something that if you can bring questions to. And one reminder on that, if you go to, and we'll probably drop it on the same resources page, but for right now, if you click on the Connect Community Groups, click on Community Groups, you scroll down, all the documentation for what we're teaching currently, some questions you can ask in a group. So if you want to actually grow in this message, grab a couple people, call the community group, right? Grab your spouse, couple your kids. After listening to it, you can actually go and there are very specific questions that you can ask to kind of wrestle through it and very specific application that helps guide our worship service, what what songs we sing, how we teach. You can go read 
all that. And if you're really excited and want to, you can actually go and read the upcoming passage because yeah, right. all the documentation for next week's sermon is already there. As right, well. right, right. So uh, as we jump kind of into this text, 14 opens with just kind of this sentence. <laughs> yeah. Now he's casting I guess out that's a all he read yet. Sorry. With a mute, yeah. And then it continues. It says, when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. And I'm just going to get to kind of where maybe there's more to discuss. I want to hear you say this. Yeah, uh, but some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebub. That's, That's how right. I've always heard Beelzebub. Okay, yeah. Beelzebub, not bub. But there's no B on the end. I don't so, know. That's yeah. what I've so always read. Yeah. So Beelzebub, Beelzebub. Uh, the prince of demons. While others, I actually put in the pronunciation so it's there, right? I do see that breakdown. Um, the prince of demons... Um, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, maybe we'll, we'll pause right there. Yeah. So, so some said that he cast out demons by the prince of demons, by Beelzebul, yeah. um, while others said, wanted to test him to keep seeking a sign. So yeah. here's kind of the start of, I think you talked about on Sunday, how we see the two, two groups of people yep. already. Kingdom of Satan, right. kingdom of God, they're right there. Right. How, and there's a war in their heads because yeah. they're thinking all this, like knowing their thoughts. They're thinking, this is what's happening. There literally yeah. has to be a renovation of their mind. Yeah. So you see what's at play for all of us. It's all in their heads. So I, I think my question in this, and this is, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip of going, how do you know which kingdom you're operating in? So it's kind of very similar to, okay, if I'm being disciplined, is this, yeah. am I being tormented or is that uh, the discipline of God? How do I know what kingdom I'm operating from? Like if that's the goal, is that my desire is that I want to operate and work, you know, for the kingdom of God and towards his glory forever. Yeah. But I also recognize at times I don't have my attitude or my mind right. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, here's what's really interesting in our world. And I don't want to weigh into politics. This isn't politics. And I don't feel the pressure to be your politician or even help you navigate all that. I want to lead you. I want us to build the kingdom of God. I want us to participate in that. But let's go back to what's good. First of all, it's war in their heads. Really, yeah. really important. So all of this is a war, a war in our mind of these two kingdoms. Not that I'm telling you Satan's in your head. What I am taking telling you is the words that have come out of people's mouth and things that you have seen and understood and heard and witnessed have created these this lie in your head so that's going on so this is what's going on in their head is this what is this the enemy is this war what is this right you got all these things going on and so let's go back to what they thought who they thought was doing this yeah. and they said Beelzebul which yeah. is literally the lord of the flies yeah the lord of the flies maybe you've read the book and uh, it's such an interesting book and but anyway it's just this this group of kids who get stranded and they create their own little society, but they actually just destroy each other. And mm. they, you know, and so some of the first thing to think about the Lord of flies or the Lord of filth or dung, right? That's how mm. they heard it. So what we know about this is when we think about the Lord of the flies or the Lord of filth or dung, what it is, is it means they are feeding off of mm. death. Yeah. Feeding off the of death. Feeding off the, of the death. So what I would first say is... Where's the energy coming from? Yeah. Like, so what are they feeding off of? Are they feeding off joy, peace, hope, love, grace, yeah. kindness, mercy? Are they feeding off death? And honestly, yeah. we live in a society right now that Absolutely. the more of a victim you are, the higher your value to this point. So you got victims, yeah. and then you got the defenders of victims, right? Now I'm not trying to be rude. We all are, we are all in this category in some way, but the more we can highlight our victimhood, the yeah. more we, for some reason, 
and again, this is not a gotcha statement. I'm just trying to wrestle through all this with you. That the more value there seems to be right now. So let's have dinner. So not that I'm saying people aren't victims. They are. But at some point, this doesn't do us any good to continue to just remind ourselves of how. Yeah. You know. So if there is this thing that keeps reminding you over and over again how much of a victim yeah. you are, you're not a victim. You're the child of the Most High God. Yeah. Right. You are not weak and helpless and limited and wor- like worthless, yeah. right? You're a child of the Most High God, and so what are those, What what's feeding your mind? Because yeah. the enemy wants you to live in that death cycle. Woe yeah. is me, yeah. life's so bad. The world is broken, but your life's not, because the kingdom, the king of the universe saw you, called you by name, and invited you into his kingdom, and you have chosen to take the key of faith, unlock it, and walk in through the, yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And so some of it is, okay, what is actually feeding this? If death is feeding this, why are flies hovering around me? Is really like, well, because they're feeding off the filth and the yeah. dung of this in my life. So I, I would just say, kind of first and foremost, is going, well, if it's a revolution, what, what's turning it? Yeah, yeah. Is it death and despair? Or is it hope and light yeah. and joy, right? Yeah. And so um, I am attracted to people, like not like physically, You're that right. are filled with life and joy. And so let's You're just right. get, like, here's another way to kind of describe it using space terms is this, is it a black hole? Yeah. That everything gets around and gets sucked into the despair? That's the king of uh, uh, flies, Lord yeah. of the flies, right? Or is it a supernova that when you get close, there's just so much energy popping off of it that you just are fueled by the joy and the energy of joy that comes from it? So I think that's yeah. a, a way to look at it because the kingdom of heaven is filled with joy and hope and life yeah. in the middle of our terrible circumstances. Yeah. Uh, I feel like as you were talking, yeah. one of the things that I thought of was a message that I heard Gosh, at this point, maybe 12, 15 years ago, like it's a long time ago, but I, I don't think I'll ever forget it because I'm in this. And I mean, you could take this out of context and you could kind of explain um, it doesn't fully fit everything. But basically, the, I remember what was said during that. They said, you know, you're only a victim until you start to fight back. And once you start to fight back, then you become a fighter or a contender. Yeah. And this, specifically, they were talking about, you know, not wallowing in that okay well woe is me but god has called me as a child like yes i am a sinner but christ has overcome Mm -hmm. and that's how i think that our declarations start to do that that we no longer are focused on being a victim we're focused on man i'm a contender and it's by what christ has done i'm not just a contender i'm a i'm a champion because of what he's done not because of my ability but because of what he's done yes i'm a huge college football fan and there's been this a transition that's happened probably the last five years. You can look at University of Alabama and Nick Saban. Yeah. So one of the big kind of statements forever was defense wins championships. Defense yeah, wins right. championships. But it's not true anymore because mm-hmm. my, my Bulldogs have the best defense in the nation, and they haven't won the championship, right? Yeah. And so really what's happened is you got to put points on the board now. Yeah, like, right. there's this, like offense is the greatest defense at this point. <laughs> it's going. What I think we've done – is we are just playing a lot of defense. Yeah. A lot of defense, responding yeah. to whatever the accusation is, and it's going, in the kingdom of God, you're on the offense. Yeah. You're building the kingdom of God. You are participating in the kingdom of God, not waiting for another attack and explaining yourself of what your motivation was. It's no, like, we get to actually walk in and live in and build the kingdom of God. So what you got to think about in this, when life and your choices choose better, when you're choosing the kingdom of God, that means everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. So yeah. let's start ushering us in. Let's start speaking life around us. Let's play offense. 
Not like not in a political sense. Let's just play offense. Let's yeah. be excited about the kingdom of God and the joy of our salvation, and let's start ushering that in. Let's create a different perspective of nope. We're not going to sit here and wallow of our, of our yeah. persecution, right? We're going to celebrate amidst whatever the pain or sorrow is. That God is still King and Lord, and we are heirs to that yeah. kingdom. So let's live like we are children of the Most High God. So, so now we got through one another. Verse. Yeah. So okay, there's two verses, or yeah. maybe three. So uh, <laughs> jump into 17. How much time we have? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. We, um, we still got about 20 minutes or so. So verse 17 says, uh, but he, knowing their thoughts, this is talking about Jesus. Yeah, so let me stop you there. Yeah. <laughs> What's really, really important here is that, that yeah. I told you that the enemy can't hear your thoughts. Right. But Jesus can. Right. Because right. he is omniscient. He is omnipotent. So that's why we have to declare things out loud. Yeah. But the real neat thing is we might as well declare it out loud because the king of the universe is in our head already. <laughs> Just start making these declarations. So that is interesting. Yeah, I told you. Like, here is the picture of him being yeah. the only one in the world who can know your thoughts. Your spouse might think they know your thoughts, but they don't, right? I might think I know someone's thoughts, but I really don't. The enemy can certainly come to some conclusion about your thoughts because they have, you know, thousands of years of human history to look at the brokenness of the world, right? So they are much stronger and greater in their awareness than the most brilliant psychologists, right? But Jesus does know our thoughts. That means he has this great power to understand and know all things. And I also think you did this on Sunday. You brought this out. You know, how does Luke, who's writing this, kind of of taking a pause even from the story of going, how does Luke know that? Well, most likely he's probably sitting down with the people or he's interviewed or investigated the people that were there that maybe are able to tell him, well, you know, I was thinking this, and then he said this, so I know that Jesus never thought. So how do we get this story? Luke writes it. How does Luke get it? Because people speak it. Why are they speaking it? Because of this repentance and salvation that happened. They're going, let me tell you what I was thinking. And let me tell you how Jesus responded to that, right? So there's something really beautiful about someone letting the kingdom in on their thoughts of how this changed. They had a thought that was replaced with a better thought, a better declaration. And so that's how we get this passage. So then we'll get to, so this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. A divided household falls, verse 18. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Yeah. For if uh, you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them uh, Cast them out? Therefore, they uh, they will be your judge. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, we can get caught up on this, and that's quite confusing but here's the thing the enemy wants to take new territory yeah he is trying to take new territory everywhere he goes and he's trying to take up residence in you in your circle of influence so all jesus is saying is look the enemy who's trying to take up new territory if he has territory he's not going to remove himself from the territory right right right? he might send some more people to the territory but he's not going to on his own volunteer to leave he's like nope i'm here i'm squatting in this person's house, right. I'm gonna stay my seven years so I can legally get the rights to it, right? right? So right. he's just going. The Beelzebub's trying to take new territory through dung and death and despair. Yeah. He's never gonna give that up. Yeah. So why, if I have that power and you're saying it's from the enemy, and I'm, that's not gonna happen. And then he goes yeah. the second one. He goes, and you've seen these moments where the enemy was cast out. Yeah. And you have, which I love this because I actually think this is literal about kids right one of the things that i think so messed up for us is our kids and their idealism now sometimes we go that's so silly and that's so entitled but we are raising adults who are going to change the world so he's going your kids are actually bought into this right like i am convinced right that 
if I, my number one responsibility is to model a faith that believes in God and his glory and all of his power. I want my, my daughter, I think Amelia might, to go sometime and lay hands on a dead person. Mm-hmm. And when she's older and go in the name of Jesus, yeah. be healed, right? Yeah. I want her to have that kind of faith and yeah. belief because of what we've modeled. And so he's going, you got some kids and here you are in all this. Well, I don't know. And around, you know, you're the one around the lunch table talking about all the things that are wrong with the church and with people. Yeah. And you got children there listening who are, Learning these things. So I think there's actually a lot more we can discuss here. Going, your sons. Yeah. They're doing this. You, do you think they're evil? They're not evil, but they're going to become evil if you don't do something different here. So I think there's just a lot to kind of see in this one passage. That's why I always say the story of Abraham and Isaac about uh, God providing a, a you know, a realm. I don't, I don't think that was, it obviously wasn't just for Abraham. Yeah. Isaac's right. going to birth a nation in Jacob. Right. So God is preparing something, and I guarantee you Isaac never forgets that moment of God's faithfulness. Right? Yeah. And so that's just as much for Isaac as it is for Abraham. Yeah. And so lots to think and consider there about who we're raising and how we're raising it and what kind of life are we speaking. Is there anything there to talk about, like, so therefore they will be your judges? Like, is, is there anything more there? Well, I think it's just more that. So okay. uh, you looking for a rubric. Yeah. Let him be the rubric. Yeah. Okay. Ask, why don't you just go back and ask him? Hey, kid, how'd that happen? If you don't think I'm gonna do it, you know, like, yeah. So I think it literally is just saying, here's the rubric. You got, you have a measuring stick here. Yeah. It's your own children, or your own family, yeah. or your own circle of influence, where you're seeing great works. Why deny those great works, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, verse twenty. Um, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, and I am curious, like finger of God versus the hand of God. Is there a significance in finger that word finger there? Or so I looked a little bit. Uh, I what I. What I know is Hebrew culture saw the finger of God as him working in our world. And okay. So my my assumption, and this is just my assumption, I didn't do a deep dive here, is it's interesting that Hebrew culture would have thought about God working with his finger. Okay. Like in such a little bitty thing instead of his hands yeah. or whatever else. So maybe, but I didn't go okay. too far down that okay. path. So. Uh, but if it is by uh, the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when stronger, uh, let me move down. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divided his spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So there's something to think about here that I didn't get to cover. Just, I mean, obviously, definitely time. But so this really does explain how, and maybe I've covered a little bit. can I can't t- can't even remember um, that this idea of okay things are going well yeah. until you encounter someone stronger right right and so this is really what religion does it goes yeah I can perform well I can perform better grade me yeah. on my neighbors right yeah. like that right. kind of our worldview is let's just be better than those other people <laughs> like as long as I'm better than them it doesn't matter if I'm perfect as long as I'm better than them then God's got to be okay with me yeah. so that's good that's good that's good until you encounter someone that's better than you and now you're the guy in the yeah, in right. the in the gutter so he's going this is the problem y'all are all viewing this strategy of just be strong by yourself yeah. be strong by yourself but you're going to encounter someone strong Right. You're going to encounter someone stronger. This dude that's now mute, he encountered something that was stronger than him. Yeah. And he didn't have, you know, he didn't have the right security system. He didn't mm-hmm. have the, the right locks on the door. And all of a sudden, that which is stronger overtakes. And you see this play out in our in our world, right? People encounter death mm-hmm. and destruction, bankruptcy. They encounter something stronger. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have a 
mechanism to respond to it, those things destroy them. Yeah. Like you see people turn away from their faith because they thought that when they prayed the prayer, Jesus would fix their marriage, everything get better, puppies right. and rainbows, I'll tell right. you all the time. Right. And then puppies and rainbows don't show up. Right. And then they encountered something stronger. And what do you do? So there's, you can, many of us, I am more confident in the kingdom because I encountered something that seemed stronger than I realized God was greater than that thing. Yeah. Greater right. is he that is right. in you than he is in the world, as right. the scriptures say, right? And But there's others who have encountered similar things who have walked away from the kingdom because they didn't have the right understanding that greater is he in me than he is in the world. And so it's a pretty interesting analogy because it, it's all fine and dandy until you encounter something stronger. And the enemy hates you and you have a target on your back. Yeah. So it's not if, it's when this is going to happen, how are you going to respond. So Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. So verse 23, we talked about how, how <laughs> challenging that could be, right? And I'm curious how it landed in that century in that time and that's probably speculation but because in our world that is not something that is easily received right like you're either for jesus or you're not period there is no middle ground there's no secondary or or there's no third option like that's that's convicting like and i feel like even as i've read scripture and i've no scripture even knowing that we're talking about it this week as i hear it i'm always challenged by it of reminding myself of going I'm either for God or, or not. I'm either with him um, gathering or I'm scattering. How would it have been received then? Would it have been received in the same way? Like, how do we... I think it would have been offensive. Yeah. Anyway, and so this is where Jesus, I would say, uh, tends to comfort the afflicted yeah. and afflict the comfortable. Yeah, right. So uh, those people that found themselves in a groove, I just really a rut, honestly, but kind of just figure yeah. out a system that works for them. And they're just strolling through life, strolling through life, right? You know, going to bed, getting up the next day, just, you know, in this perpetual motion yeah. with the only objective, unfortunately, to arrive safely at death. Yeah. And what Jesus is saying here is, hey, for those of you that are really comfortable, let me actually bring some discomfort to you. Yeah. Nothing is neutral. Yeah. Nothing. Meaning, this time you have right now, like right this second, is either participating living in the kingdom of God yeah. or against it. Right? In every interaction you have, you're doing one of two things at all times. You're either uncovering value in people, helping them see the value that Jesus has, or you're covering it up. So every time you talk to that customer service representative, hmm. right? Every time you encounter the person at the, in the cashier, every time that person cuts you off or they're trying to get over in a lane, and all those things, Jesus is going, there is nothing neutral. Either you're in the kingdom of God playing offense, yeah. or you're against it. You are trying to fight against the kingdom of God and keep the kingdom of God from entering into the end zone. And you got to know that's not going to happen. And so either you are for it or you are against it. And we don't want, we don't think in those terms, no, right? We don't. Because we live in this world that is passive, uh, that, uh, that is so neutral that we want to make sure yeah. everybody's happy and everything's and happening. And yeah, that's just, they like, say their own thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah right. you, but there's something so much greater that we're yeah. working at than just trying to appease people or get a little bit more money in the bank. Yeah. The kingdom of God is here. And that's not supposed to... So when I say play offense, I don't mean be offensive, yeah, right? Because right? Right. all your language doesn't matter. But yeah. how do we care for and participate in the kingdom of God really is... So he's going, there is really... It's door A or door B. Yeah. And the problem is that he actually... This is why I love this idea of the sermon series better. Is he goes on to talk about the different gates. One that leads to the kingdom of God and one that leads to destruction. The kingdom of Satan. And he says narrows the gate that leads to this eternal life, right? This narrow. And so not many people choose it, yeah. unfortunately. But you get to. And so he's basically gone. You're going to one or two gates. You come into the good shepherd or you 
and go into the enemies. And so it's offensive. I yeah. hate that it's offensive, but it doesn't make it less true. And the only reason yeah. that it's offensive is because I don't think we've come to grips with what we're really up against and what yeah. we're really living in and what really is at stake. And I think you said this maybe the week before, but it's it's not supposed to be offensive, but freeing in yeah. the sense that, like, I am a sinner, so when I don't have to pretend that I'm not, I think this was last week's discussion. Though you're evil. Yeah, yeah though you were evil. Like, if, if I don't have to pretend that I'm, I'm good, there's something freeing in that. And almost, I, I, I wonder, is that something that we can even say in this? So if you're kind of trying to do the checklist and you're trying to do religion, because you talked about how it's not about hard works. Yeah. Um, it's not about checklists. Because you encounter something more powerful. Is all under the realm of the kingdom of Satan. Yeah. So... I, it's, I imagine it's the same exact thing to find rest. And if you find yourself doing checklists, maybe you have permission to not work on those checklists. Don't do those checklists. Either be in and want to go for the kingdom of God or or don't. Yeah, so I would tell you probably if you have a hard time understanding and receiving this, then you have a very small view of God. Just have a very small view of God, like that he is not powerful, that he is mighty, that he really doesn't care, that he's not interested, mm-hmm. that like you just have a very small view of God. Because if you had the view of God that we should have, which is hard mm-hmm. for me to have, then you'd want to be on his team. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's, and it's so relieving because he is, he is, he's all powerful, yeah. almighty, all loving, all gracious. Really, the, the big issue is he's just the respecter of boundaries, right? Yeah. And so but if you're on his team, then everything changes. And so a lot of times we just don't see God. We want to see the grace. God loves us. He cares about us. He's made me a unique butterfly kind of stuff. And not see like his his might and his power and his glory. In some ways, what you got to hear, while God is for you, he's really for himself. And that is good news for us as long as we can surrender our own desire to be the king of our own kingdom. So. Yeah. It, one of the things that you talked about was how, how the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? Like God is a gentleman. He's not, maybe not gentleman, that's not the right word, yeah. but he's and it's just the contrast even in that like yeah. the enemy is always taking ground like and again to reference that book uh, don't give the enemy a seat at your table by louis giglio great concept great thought loved working i've read through the book listened to the message like and it's this idea that the enemy will just pull up a seat and just start talking to you not like hey i'm gonna kill you right away yeah. like because that's what i'm going for but just asking things to break the ice and to plant doubt and mm-hmm. and soon it's a conversation with the enemy rather than sitting in fellowship and relationship with with the god of the universe yeah it's amazing just to see how i the wording that i would say is that how how the holy spirit is at work asking wanting to draw but waiting for your permission yeah. and the enemy is not looking for your permission he's just coming yeah so god is respect your boundaries yeah the enemy is not yeah. He's just not. He's going to beat down your door. He is yeah. going to push his way in, but you're not even going to realize he's going to push himself in. That's why I think this next verse is so important. Yeah. He explains basically, hey, you, know, you may have gotten <laughs> the enemy out for a second, but unless you replaced it with something that's greater than you to protect yeah. yourself, what's going to happen is the enemy is just going to come back in and he's going to bring more into yeah. it. And so he's going to come through every window at that point. So you just got to be aware, not not to be fearful but to be hopeful that the God yeah. of the universe really does love us that way and really has invited himself into our house. Yeah. The difference is the enemy comes from every direction. And before you realize that he is everywhere and candidly, this is why I tell you there's like the way that culture changes is this slow little, you know, journey and then this massive plunge, yeah. right? That's why I share with you the last sermon series, the sermon series before is like it's little by little and then this massive plunge. Right. And it certainly feels like we're in a free-for-all because what's happened is the enemy has made its way. And this is going to sound really offensive in every area. 
Yeah. Education, arts and culture, yeah. politics, right? If there is an area, literally, kids' sports, whatever it is, the enemy has kind of slowly sat at all those tables, and now we're like, everywhere we look, he's just consuming. And it's like, yeah, because while we declared Jesus as Lord and you know asked him to protect us, we left our doors and windows open and haven't asked for the Holy Spirit to fill every part of us. And we have to actually go, we want to be in the kingdom of God. And if we're in the kingdom of God, that means the king of the universe has to be at work in us. And the only way he does that is through a spirit. So we got to make sure a spirit is actually in us and in every part of us and working on that path. We got to go and check all the windows and all the doors, yeah. meaning your computer and your phone and your you know, 401k and your job. All these things we got to go is the Lord, Lord of those things. And yeah. that is the hard work that we have to determine. If not, what we're doing is continuing to invite the enemy in. And it's a slow, slow crawl, but then it's a massive plunge. Yeah. Uh, I think for time's sake, yeah. I'll probably not read the yeah. rest of, of that chapter. I do want to ask one question, but I think that's important. I yeah. think you, what you said on Sunday is that um, the Holy Spirit like cleans out the house, but it's our responsibility to lock the doors and shut, shut the windows, right? To lock the windows, shut the door, lock the doors. I forget your exact wording, but I feel like that was a, a great, for me, as you look at this analogy, it's a great analogy for me to know, okay, and how do I do that? Yeah. I do that by continually going to the Spirit and, and going to the Father and being open to receiving and then applying His yeah. words to my life. That's what I love what Paul says. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Yeah. So don't return to that thing. Yeah. Yeah. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, right. holy and pleasing, because that's your spiritual act of worship. There is this idea that God actually freed us yeah. from the enslavement he freed us from that but the problem is so many of us walk right back to it yeah so it's what the way to kind of view it is he's opened the door of our bondage and i'll have to walk back into yeah. the freedom but we can't walk back into the bondage and we yeah. do over and over again so we see this picture and so i would say the goal this is why jesus says behold i stand at the door and knock if you don't open i'll enter and i'll dine with him that's pretty neat he actually brings the whole setting and eats yeah. with you like he's yeah. showing up with the table on his back and he's yeah. bringing it in going hey, hey we got me in okay let's enjoy yeah. this fellowship right but we got to be very mindful of is those small tiny cracks and so yeah. if you want an energy efficient home you got to figure out where the air is coming in mm-hmm. right if you don't want bugs and snakes in it you got to figure out where those holes are and you got to plug them so this is the walk and step with the Spirit piece. It tells us in Galatians 5, right? you got to walk and step with the Spirit, meaning you need to continually always be mindful of what those windows are. That movie you just watched, oh, yep, i gotta, I got to rule and reign that. i got to cancel that subscription, whatever that thing is. Oh, gosh, man, we got to have a conversation about the sports league because it is consuming our kids, right? Whatever those things are, you got to just, you have, for you personally, right, you have to figure out, okay, where are these little bitty creeps going in? So, yes. Yeah, God wants to clear your house. You repent and confess. He clears your house. But then you have to continually walk in step with the Spirit. to go, Holy Spirit, would you help me lock this door? Holy Spirit, would you reveal where those things are? So this is where you ask the God to search your heart. So Holy Spirit, would you search my heart? And would you reveal the parts of my heart that have not been surrendered? And it's really, really simple, guys. The parts of your life that are in absolute chaos are the parts of your life that haven't been surrendered. Marriage is chaos, haven't surrendered it. Your finances are chaos, haven't surrendered it, right? Your family's in chaos, you haven't surrendered it. And so you got to ask the Lord to take lordship of all those areas. Not the Lord of the flies, but the Lord of the kingdom of heaven, which he's brought to you. And so that's the piece. Yeah. This walk in step of the Spirit, this is a never-ending process where every single day you have to be present and ask the Lord where the windows are open and what you need to shut. Yeah. And continue to replace those lies with the truth of God. Yeah. 
Well, that is about the time yep. we have. Was there any final thoughts you had, or we're gonna? Yeah. So I think that's what I love in this passage. <laughs> Someone says your mom is awesome. Yeah, I, wanted young. To, I wanted to get to so, that. So yeah, so I was like, your mom is awesome. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And he goes, yeah, that's pretty neat. But let me tell you, he's actually blessed. Yeah. And that word literally means you can go look at the Greek, happy. Yeah. You want to be jo- you want to be joy filled, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Yeah. So. Uh, Make sure you understand this. Really, really big point. It doesn't say blessed are those who hear the word of God and that they kept it. Hear that word? It's keep it. Not kept it. Keep it. That means it is always in the present tense. So you're always having to hear the word of God. Open up the scriptures. You know, and and keep it. That is a a never-ending thing. It's always in the presentness. And keep it. And keep it. And keep it. And so you got to keep keeping it. And how do you do that? You do it in community with the yeah. God of the universe by inviting him in. And one of the fellow believers who are wrestling through this together. Mm-hmm. That mind you, you're not crazy for speaking these things out loud. And so if you're on the fringes, I just would say, would you just raise your hand and go, I don't want to be on the fringes. Mm-hmm. I need some friends. I need someone to walk in. Literally, you can email me at josh at clcfamily.church right now, mm-hmm. and I'll find a way to help you find some community. It'll mm-hmm. be my pleasure. The Holy Spirit and I, mostly the Holy Spirit, will help work through that. You can just go directly to me if that makes you feel the most comfortable. Or you, if that doesn't, you can fill out the Connect card on our website or drop a direct message. More than likely, yeah. Megan will be the first one to see it on Facebook. So whatever you want to do there, or if you feel comfortable with any of our staff members, Christian or whatever it is, you can just email their first name at clcfamily.church. We don't want you on the fringes because there is something beautiful about being community and see what happens. So that's what I challenge you with. Blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it. And keeping it means finding biblical community to continue to walk with it from this point until the kingdom of heaven fully reigns here in eternity. So, Well, I just want to say thank you for joining us. As always, if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can email us over time at clcfamily.church or just simply text us 610-869-2140 and email as you just heard. So thanks for joining us, everyone. We hope you have a blessed week, and we hope to see you this coming weekend or next week for overtime.